When I was writing this homily in the rectory uh, this week, I had forgotten that we hung up for Lent our painting of the crucifixion of Jesus by Eric R. Music. But pretend like it's not there for a minute because I'm going to talk about the mosaic. I know we've, with some of you, I've gone over this already, but it's kind of the foundation of my homily. So for those of you who may not be familiar, we're going to talk about it really quickly. So when you're looking at this mosaic, what this mosaic is, uh, it was done by a famous artist, by the way, uh, what it's portraying is the Last Supper. So you have Jesus, and he's surrounded by his 12 uh, apostles, disciples. I like to think that the guy here to the far left and on the bottom, that's probably uh, um, oh, Judas. He's the only one that's not in some way paying attention but looking down at his hands and playing with his fingernails. So maybe that's him. I don't know. But there you go. You have Jesus up there. And maybe what you can't see is what Jesus is holding in his hand up over here. That's the chalice that had been filled with the wine that would become his blood. But notice, there's no table and there's no bread. There's just the 12 disciples and, and Jesus and the cup. That's because before the Second Vatican Council, this altar would not have been here. We would not have been celebrate. We would not be celebrating Mass on the altar. We'd be celebrating Mass on the altar up there. That means that that is the table around which they are all gathered, and the bread that is not present in the mosaic is present on that altar there in the tabernacle, which is the body of Jesus Christ. What the artist was trying to tell us is that what they were celebrating 2,000 years ago, we are celebrating now. It's as if a curtain has opened up in time and we are present at that original event, the Passover meal, the Last Supper, Jesus uh, uh, doing this. We are attempting to do today is to step out of time and make the present past and the past present. And we're going to see today how God has been preparing us for millennia to do what we are going to attempt to do today in Akron, Ohio in February of 2018. So we're going to start by looking at this first bizarre reading about Abraham and Isaac, where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son. Bizarre. All right, so by the way, uh, that reading is depicted in the first three windows over here. I realize not everybody can see it, but it's there, and you see Abraham and Isaac and the angel grasping his hand. And, but interestingly, for those who can see it, if you can't see it after Mass, at the bottom right-hand corner is a cross made up of sticks. Now, these were the sticks that uh, uh, young Isaac would have been carrying. We skipped that part in the reading today, but he would have been carrying them uh, and as part of the sacrifice in which he would be placed, right? And the artist turned it into a cross because he's trying to tell us that this story is intimately connected to this story, all right? So let's run through it really quick. What was he asked to do? He was told to take his son, his only son, his very young son, who's not responsible for any serious sin yet, right? And to offer him up as a holocaust, a sacrifice. And as I said, there's a whole bunch left out. What, what we didn't read today was that his son was charged with carrying the wood of the sacrifice, the, the wood on which he would be sacrificed, intended to be sacrificed. And what was God looking for here? Did he really want him to offer up his son? 
Now, the thing he was really looking for, the thing that he was looking for since Adam and Eve is obedience. Would you obey me? No matter how difficult it is. And when it turned out that he would, God said, oh, whoa, 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 okay. Now I see that you are willing to be uh, my true son, my obedient, my obedient son. And so God supplied the sacrifice. What was it? It was the ram cut in the bushes. So they offered it up in sacrifice. Now what you need to understand about sacrifice, every single solitary sacrifice throughout all of scriptures, after you sacrifice something, you had to partake in it. You had to eat it. So after they sacrificed the ram, then they ate of it. And that sealed the covenant between uh, Abraham and God. And remember, he promised then your descendants would be as numerous as the stars of the sky, which is why we see all those stars descending there. All right, very interesting. That was Genesis. Let's jump forward to Exodus, where the Passover feast is taking place, the Passover feast that these guys eventually took part in, right? The Israelites are enslaved in Egypt, and God mandates Moses to have his people set free. And he goes to Pharaoh, who refuses, and then we have that whole story about the ten plagues, and, you know, the rivers are turned to blood, and the frogs and the gnats come, until we get to the last plague, the tenth plague, which will be the death of every firstborn from animals to Pharaoh, right? And in order for the Israelites not to be affected by this terrible night, they have been given the instruction to celebrate the Passover meal. And basically, here's what God told them to do. They had to find a lamb. Everyone had to get a lamb. A male lamb without blemish. And then they had to slaughter it, sacrifice it, offer it up. And then they had to participate, partake of the sacrifice. That means eat it. And that would cinch the covenant. And what would happen if you didn't do these things? What if you didn't want to? What if you don't like lamb? What if you said, I'm a vegan, I'm sorry? What if you forget to, forgot to pick up a lamb? on the way home from what the office, you would wake up in the morning and your firstborn would be dead. Is there something magical about killing and eating a lamb? No. What God was looking for was obedience. This is how they became the chosen people, by being obedient to God's command, a holy nation, a people set apart. Can you see the buildup that's coming? Then we come to the part of salvation history that we know so well. The father sent his son, his only son, a son without the blemish of sin, who was known as the Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, who carried the wood of his own cross, and he was offered up in sacrifice for our sins. Was it because God was angry about our sins and needed to be appeased? So he said, here's my son, kill him. No. What God was looking for 
what he had been looking for from Adam and Eve, from Abraham and Isaac, to the Passover meal, is obedience. And Jesus was perfectly obedient to the will of the Father, and that led to his death, to his being sacrificed. Son, male, only son, lamb, ram, without blemish, carrying the wood and sacrifice for sin. Do you see how we have been prepared for this, what we are about to do for millennia? There's only one thing missing from this last part, and that's the eating of the sacrifice. Or is it? Do you know how the chosen people became the chosen people after the original Passover meal? You know, the Passover meal was great for all the people who lived at the time. But how did the grandchildren, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, other people become part of the chosen people? Every year, they celebrated the Passover meal. And every time they celebrated the Passover meal, it wasn't recreating it or putting on a play or having a new Passover meal they saw it as being part of that original event, as if a curtain in time had opened up and they're present at that original event. That's what they meant by doing it in memory of and why we do the Mass in memory of. Later generations became part of the chosen people by partaking in the Passover meal. It is why these guys were celebrating the Passover meal, which became the Last Supper. It is why Jesus took the bread and the wine and turned it into his body and blood, soul and divinity. We become present at this original event that was the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we participate in the unbloody sacrifice of the Lamb. The same Jesus is present to us as he was to them, and when we eat his body at this Mass, we will participate in eating of the sacrifice as though and through that we become his chosen people. That's why if this is a symbol, it's silly. And why in John 6, Jesus emphasizes no less than 12 times, Amen, amen, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you do not have life within you. But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink.